we just thank you for this evening. Um, thank you for just that word from Rick to just encourage us as we're going through even First John um, at church, Lord, that you are the light and we are not to walk in darkness. And I just love that illustration of the shadow, Lord, that the shadow cannot hurt us. Um, you are the one who is the light. And we just pray, Lord, that we can walk in that light, walk in you. And Lord, we lift up, first of all, Gil, Lord, as he's going to go in for this knee operation tomorrow. Um, him and I were talking this morning at breakfast, um, and just the word perfect came up. And I just pray that this operation will be perfect um, in every way, Lord, and that you will surprise the doctors, surprise him of just how quickly he will recover and be able to fully walk straight. Next time I see him walking, Lord, that won't be a limp anymore. Be like Jacob. <laughs> um, it just will not be a limp anymore. And you will just uh, fully restore him so he can just walk and walk and walk in you, Lord. Uh, walk straight um, and with no pain. So just uh, pray for that tomorrow. We pray for the final final fix-it for Taffy, Lord. You've walked this woman with her husband by her side through so much, Lord. And you have been glorified through all of it. And Father, I just pray that you will guide the plastic surgeons, the nurses, everyone tomorrow, Lord. They will determine what problems need to be fixed and that, um, almost like I was thinking of um, Bill Darnell's sculpture last week, mm -hmm. that you will perfectly sculpt her scapula, um, restore it fully, Lord. Um, even better than what it was before all this went on. Yes. Um, that she will, in her body, mind and soul, that still so much today even reflects you, Lord even more she will be a perfect reflection of you. Um, protect her. Keep her safe. Um, watch over her and heal her also quickly, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So, um, why don't you go ahead and uh, open up. We are still in Isaiah. We're still in Isaiah 41. It was a good discussion last week for those of you who were here. Um, and so last week, how many, was everyone here last week? Okay, you weren't here last week, okay. All right, so as a little introduction, we're in Isaiah 41, and what we have going on in Isaiah 41 is we have a court scene, okay? So, you know, I, was, I talked last week about how there was a whole lot last week of all these different court cases and the big, huge things in the news, or about court cases going on. And so what we have here in Isaiah 41 is that we have a court scene. And it is God's court. Okay, And we talked last week about how he is um, the judge. <laughs> he is the jury. He is the prosecutor um, in this case. And he is presenting a case. And in essence, I want to almost say the defendant that we open up with 
it are the nations, are all the world. So when it starts out like in Isaiah 41.1, it says, Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. We were talking about that really that term coastlands is really meaning the outer edges of the earth. It really encompasses the whole world. And really specifically, the people of that world, not counting his people. All right? So it's really speaking to all the nations that don't really know God, and he is bringing his case, I guess you could say, against them, all right, or to them. And he presents this case, and we'll just review that really quickly. He presents this case, and then he... Um, and then he's going to make a switch, and he's going to turn. He's like he's addressing at first, he's addressing the nations, and bring his case against those nations. But then what we're going to pick up tonight is when he, like you can picture the judge, you know, you're like in a court. I guess I was actually thinking more like an amphitheater, you know, style where you have a circle like this, and you have all the seats that come in in those days, almost like the Roman Colosseum or whatever. Um you, you have all the people all around, and then you have God in the middle, and you have the nations down there. And he's presenting his case against the nations. But who is in the audience? It's his people. All right. And so what's going to happen tonight is he's going to turn, after presenting this case against the nations, he's going to, you can almost like picture him down there, and we're all up, his people, Judah, Israel, are all up here. And it's like he's going to turn around and he's going to look to us. Okay? And he's going to address us tonight. Um, yes? What's motivating the people to listen? Which people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, that's, there's so many factions. And so is it that God is addressing those who will listen? I, I would say God is, in what we're presenting, let's just take this case. You have the entire earth being addressed. You have all the people on the earth. Right. And those people are divided into two main groups. Like today, right? You have those who place their faith in Christ, the believers, God's people, and you have everyone else. All right? But so, you know, so, they were so into themselves. Oh, yeah. Well, we that, saw that. You know, yeah. why, why, you know, they think they have their own act together. Why, why are they even going to listen to this? Well, why did we ever listen? Because <laughs> life, we'll talk about life got difficult <laughs> right. if we didn't listen. <laughs> well, and I think, as you see here, you know, he's in the way he talks and the way God talks to them, it's like he's trying to remind them, guess, guess who's in control of what's happening right now? It's him, not... Not us. Yeah, not them, exactly. I suppose he could start out by saying, is it working for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, he sort of says that a little bit, too, yeah. and, and sort of does some threatening with that. So um, so if you notice in Isaiah 41 that we looked at last week, um, you know, it says, listen to me in silence. So he's like, you just picture God sort of saying to everyone, like, silence, listen. O coastlands, which would really be the nation's. Let the peoples renew their strength. Let them approach. Then let them speak. So God's going to talk first. All right. 
let's and then let us draw together near for judgment, which is the idea like, okay, I'm going to bring this case, and it's going to be a judgment against. I'm going to bring judgment upon the people. And then in verse 2 is when he addresses the nations, and he says, who is the one who stirred up from the east, whom victory meets at every step? And we're going to find out a little later. We talked about this last week very quickly. Um, we're going to find out later that this is probably addressing Cyrus. Okay, He's the one, this Persia, and Cyrus is going to be coming in, Okay, and coming just like, I mean, almost like overnight. Okay, you have Babylon, who's the empire, and almost overnight, Persia comes, the Persian Empire comes in and just takes over the whole world, <laughs> in essence. All right, it just happens like that. All right, how fast things can change. And so he's warning them here about that. He says, he gives up to nations before him so that he tramples kings underfoot. This would be Cyrus coming in, Persia. He makes them like dust with a sword, like dribble stubble with his bow. He pursues him, passes on safely. By paths, his feet are not trod. Who has performed and done all this, calling the generations from the beginning? So God's saying, who's making all this happen? Me. <laughs> all right? I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. And we talked about that last week, so I'm not going to go through that in detail again. And then we continued on, the coastlands have seen and are afraid. So this is now the reaction to the nations hearing this. They're afraid. They tremble. They, they are, they're afraid. They draw, come, come near. And they all say, let's be strong. Let's help each other out. And the irony last week, for those of you who are here, was we, I kept you right there until the very end. Okay, because the irony is, what are they going to do? You know, what are, what, what are they, they going to do? Or after hearing all this, they do what people do. <laughs> they turn and make idols. They put all, everything into their idol making. They go, ah, we have control. We're going to take control. And we're going to go make a bunch of idols that we can worship. All right. So that's what we see in... On verse, uh, start in verse 7 that we looked at last week. Um, he goes through and does all this. And the irony here is that they go and make the very thing they worship. And they try to worship the very thing that they made, thinking that somehow this thing, like, has no, no, it's not, there's no life to it, but they're worshiping it and thinking that's what's going to save them. It's just the irony of the human condition. Well, yeah. idols are always turned to. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so that's where we that's where we left off. Okay, from last week. Um, so, I've got a question to start out this week. Before we look at verse 8, um, curious if I mean, I could do it. I, I guess I could sort of play this and say, okay, let's say I'm God. I don't get a chance to do that very often. <laughs> All right. But let's say I'm God and I was to, in this court case, say I want to present some evidence. All right. And I was to go and take, like, let's say I take this chair and I say, so I'm going to present evidence to all you people, including Israel. Okay. And here's my evidence. All right, there it is. What is that? 
device. Now, if I was to call a witness, any of you, and say, what is that for? How would you answer that question? So you're called up. God says, I want you to come up as a witness. And I want you to tell me, what is that for? First thing that pops in my head is to teach me who God is. Okay. So teach me who God is. All right. Instruction. It's what? Training and instruction. Training and instruction. Yeah, I do you guys answer that. Well, what is this thing? What is this? Words to live by. Words to live by? Cool. No, it's the ultimate truth. Ultimate truth? Right on. Okay. What do you use it for? What would you, you say it's the ultimate truth. What would you use it for? Uh, the evidence of what God's good for Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. So evidence as to what God's Okay, go to present. Anybody else? What do you? I'd say it's the. Those are the the words contained in there are what build out your soul. They contain huh. the truth of everything that is. They help you understand what you are. Understand the origins of the universe, and you can understand everything that you need to understand to know. You need. To know this book. Okay. You can't function fully without it. Why can't you function fully without it? Because without the information contained in there, you simply don't know you. You don't know God. You You don't know know why you're here. You don't Mm -hmm. know anything. Okay. You could be told why you're here. You can choose to believe why you're here. But you won't know. How, if I was a nations and I was to look at that, I'd go, well, you guys, you guys up there in the audience, you just, we make our idols, you guys made that. That's your idol. Okay. You'll worship that thing. Over there. I know. All right. What would you say to that? Well, that refers to a history that actually happened and, mm. and the, the fact that it has the history. It shows how God has moved over the centuries, literally, and has proved who He is through the ages. Okay. Do Do we worship the book? No. Well, yeah. I mean, if I'm a nation, I might look and say, "Well, yeah, you, you guys seem to be. That's all you ever talk about." <laughs> you know, we talk about our idols. We can t- we worship we, our idols. We talk about what's contained in it. Okay. So, what's the difference between? You talk about what's contained in it, but you don't worship it. Correct. Yeah. All right. There's a proof in the pudding. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have a, a secular courtroom, you, typically they they want substantive evidence that's provable, it's like in front of you. So if you have a book there, that's yeah. something tangible. Uh-huh. Um, if you remove the philosophic and kind of even the, the cosmic little aspects of this, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're connected here from our heart. Right. Along with faith. But if you remove all of that, you still have archaeological, historical, and cultural evidences that are submissible in a court of law. They are tangible. They are physical. You can go to these. All so cities. you would present that yes, to you? Yes. Okay. A lot of these, the cities and regions that are in the Middle East, they may have different names. They may be in the water. They may be a lot of things. But they're locatable uh, on maps, uh-huh. modern maps and ancient maps. And the National Geographic Society even 
secular organizations will work very closely with you to substantiate, yes, these are places that exist. So that's archaeological. And then historical would work alongside that because there's so much of the history aspects that go way over my head. Archaeological, historical, cultural aspects, certainly in the Semitic world and Judaism. Um, but a lot of the, their practices, a lot of these things are substantive evidence. They have nothing to do with philosophy. They have nothing to do with just my what I want to believe in. They are legitimate, tangible evidence, like if I brought my shoes and put them here that I wear every day, this is proof of my shoes. You have archaeological, historical, and cultural evidence that you can argue in a secular sense with secular people that aren't into churchology, religiosity, any faithology, <laughs> You just remove all that stuff and get right into their secular head and go, this is the evidence as in a court of law. And you can submit it. It's submissible before the Supreme Court of this country or probably any country. And, it's good. and I think, I mean, that goes along a little more expand to what he was saying about its history, about what God's done. That's what God's doing in part here is he's saying, look, in our passage, he's saying, look at what I've done. Here's a record of all these things that I've done. I've done that. I surprised you. I told you I was going to do it ahead of time, and I've done it. I am the God who's made this all happen. But if even people don't want to believe that because they, they're ignorant or there's no record that they want to connect to, there's still archaeological, historical, and cultural evidence of those times, those places, and those uh, legitimate map places that they can't disprove. They're there. If I was an LDS person... You know, in the, in the Book of Mormon and the Pearl of Great Price, you can't prove those places. They don't exist. Yeah, and they're all, all these faith systems have all those problems. Yeah. This does not have those problems. Yeah, that's, so that's a good point. With that's what Steve point. has said, one of the most important things is it's not an idol. Right. Yeah. And how, so, and I guess I'll ask again, so how is it not an idol? Because it's true. It's the ultimate truth. Okay. All right. Okay. So, it, it's not false. God it, created it. It's not an idol. God, cre God created it. That's interesting. Well, God told us what is not an idol, and it's everything in Genesis. I created all these things. Mm -hmm. All the rest of them are ideas out of men's head. Mm -hmm. So it's defined. This is the word of God. Okay. All right, good. And you, you going to add anything more to that? Well... An idol doesn't have the depth of history and recording of actual actions that people can look back in history and see actually happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the um, the, um, the pastor I used to be under in the Bay Area had a saying. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but which is different. You know, we we read him here in verse seven. It says how to make an idol, right? To get some different people together, and they're all together making an idol. All right. But what's fascinating about this is what do you have? You have over this thing created the words over 3,000 years, over like 20 different cultures, over all these different nations, all these different people, okay? And yet it all reads as one. Only God could have done that. Only God could have created that, um, so to speak. So, so Chris, yeah. the question is, <laughs> we're in a court case, by the way. Okay. We're in Isaiah 41. Um, so if I, I'm presenting this as evidence, the Bible, all right, and I was, the question was, like, if someone asked you, 
or if you were going to be a witness for God, all right, as to what this is, how would you answer the question, what is this? What is it for? It's the truth, the way of life. I mean, it's well, that's what it is. I like what someone said over here, truth. truth that's what uh-huh. I always say. It's the truth. Uh-huh. Okay. It's, it's the beginning, the now, and the end, you know. It's everything. What, what was the second part of the question? Well, what What's is it? it what is it? What is it for? I mean, it's really what is it? And what is it for? What do you use it for? I use it to have a relationship with God. Okay. I mean, that's like my. It's it's it's. So you say use it for a relationship with God. Is that different than using some other book or something else for a relationship with God? Yeah, I, because it's it's again it's truth. It's uh-huh. it's real, and just go to what Steve said. It's historically real. I mean, you can argue that over and over again. But it's his word. You're reading his word and you're connecting to his word. Mm-hmm. And you're becoming his word. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Okay. You know? Good. Alright. Yeah, I think one of the yeah. things uh, you know, the Bible that's always given a veracity and human people say, well, we're seeing, you know, part of the cancel not seeing and the canonization right. and that they put this together and as you said, Greg, uh, you know, 66 books written over thousands of years have complete coherency. But if you were trying to save religion, you would never have written that book. <laughs> Correct. There's some gnarly stories in there. Yeah. There's right. some tough stuff in there. That if you were trying to just fabricate the books to put together to say, okay, now let's go sell this religion, that's not what you would have written. Yeah. That's a very good point. Uh, that's what they say about, like, you read the Gospels and yeah. you go, I mean, the Gospels condemn the very authors that it's writing about. Yeah. Like, they would never say that about themselves. They would never include that within these stories right. about them. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So, stories in the Old Testament, you would go, you would, you would never put that in there. You wouldn't tell it that way. No. Yeah. If, if you were trying to make this have mass appeal. Right. Yeah. Good. Good. And that's, to me, lends, you know, a great deal of evidence to the veracity and truth of the Bible. As opposed to an idol that's created by man that has no history and no soul. And that, and that's yeah, true. no doubt. Nice wood, nice gold. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Nothing, wrong, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I don't like yours, but I'm going to make mine with three arms instead exactly. of two because, yeah. you know. Yeah, someone that's else would like that. It's the living Bible. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, the, it's the word. It's alive. That's what I was saying. It fleshes out your soul. Yeah, I like how you say that. Yeah. It's doing something. So as opposed to, uh, you said too, but I like that, fleshing out your soul. Um, because it's it's not just an idol just sits there. It doesn't do anything. This is doing nothing, okay? Right. Where what the Word of God is doing is it's coming in and it's changing you. To it actually like requires Christ. work. Yeah. The Bible like requires work and like discipline. Yeah. Well, Whereas an idol... You said... Re- Relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, it's yeah. crazy. Versus an idol, you look at it and go, oh, it's pretty, it's there, it's on my mantle, it looks great. Thank you. For, you know, whatever you do, touch it, rub the belly or whatever. Does it doesn't require any effort? Yeah. All the messiness of the human condition is in that book. Yeah, yeah. True. Which gave the whole purpose of the intersection with the cross. Yeah, yeah. Really well put. We were asking the, the questions, Chad. Um where our court case, it was coming in from last week and saying God presents evidence. And I said, here's the evidence, and here it is. Okay, yeah. And the question is, you know, if you were called to be a witness as to what this is, 
what would you say that is? Mm. You know, what is it? What is it? And what is it good for? Mm. You know, it's like an idol. You know, would say, well, what's it good for? Well, what's what? What is that good for? And that was, that's sort of the question that was sort of asking. So, cool. Yeah. All right. Anybody else? Any other thoughts? So, how you would answer that question? So, like, if you went into the the part, if, if thinking still secularly, okay, uh-huh. I'm just a secular person. Which is good to think that way because if you're going to present everybody out this there to someone, is like, not interested. Right. Yeah. Right. I I witnessed to somebody today based upon that video link I I talked to you about. Oh. Huh. I used that because he's like, really, the Temple Mount type thing, really, and um. So, but if you go, Mr. So-and-so, to the area where it's talking about the Jews and Exodus and, Mo, you know, you're talking to this guy and whoever, and uh, you just tell him, there's a guy Moses, he received the Ten Commandments, and if we do everything that's in the Ten Commandments, it's uh, this uh, speaker, uh, it was actually uh, Charlie, Charlie Hurt, which he's on TV or whatever, but he was at Raul Reese's church. And he was speaking, and he was saying, regarding the Ten Commandments, you know, they're like the how-to-bees or whatever, but they're not there to build barriers in our life. It's actually, if we follow those, we're completely free. It's it's not like we're bound up by the not-tos. It's by following them, we're actually set free. Because our life will work so much. Because that's how God created us to be. Yeah, we're fulfilled. Yeah. And that principle, with if we're talking to a secular person, that that principle applies to every person ever born on the face of the earth, all mm-hmm. cultures and in countries. It's the same. Mm-hmm. Those ten items for every person. So how could you impact the whole population of the world from ten items? Ten, ten uh, I was looking for another word. But uh, <laughs> ten, a secular person, maybe. Well, I don't know. Points. Ten yeah, ten points. points. <laughs> right. Right. Suggestions. Right. HR. Yeah. Without saying that. <laughs> yeah, good. All right. Um, so we'll keep that there. Um, so let's all turn to Isaiah 41. And so we're going to pick up on uh, verse 8. I'm going to read 8 through 10. We'll spend some time looking at this. So this, and I want you to just, again, imagine, you know, think of like this huge amphitheater. God's down there in the middle of it. He's got the nations he's bringing judgment upon. And he now, God's down there, and where he's been you know, addressing the nations, he now turns up, and he looks at all of us. Okay? And we are his people. Okay? He's addressing his people. All right? And this is what he says. Now, now <laughs> I love the butts in scripture. So whenever you see a butt, it's like, uh, it's always should call your attention, you know, like, like, but, but God. All right. And now he says, but you. <laughs> so it's like he's been bringing judgment on the nation, saying you guys are making idols, you know, it's worthless. And now all of a sudden God turns up and he looks at all of you and he says, but you. <laughs> all right. Looks at the whole audience. He says, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. 
Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will keep you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's how we keep just reading here. So 13. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. <laughs> Are you interrupting God, Jason? Uh, no, just you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Put me in my place. <laughs> I think if we were hearing this word, yeah. if I may, you may, I believe from the beginning of 41, mm-hmm. progressing through, his tenor becomes louder and more frustrated and more angry. But I don't think it does at eight. I, 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 would, I would say at eight, I would say you were absolutely right going up to seven. No, no, I think at eight. But you, my servant. Now, what's fascinating in the, what we studied with the kids last night uh-huh. was Genesis 32, 22 through the end of that chapter, yeah, which is right. Jacob wrestling with God. Right. That is the origin of now, if you look at 40 as well, how many times do you say, you, Jacob, right. my servant, you, my, it, it and is real. He has it right here at eight. Okay. So right. he, he right. is being condescending, and, and mm-hmm. I think he's pissed. He's saying, you didn't get it then, you still don't get it now, and I'm noting this very clearly because I know you know what we're talking about here, right? So I think he does that. So I, I would agree, he does that in places. I would disagree that he does that here. Oof. Okay? Just, and I, here's why. And, I mean, I, and we can, you yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah, good yeah. to have the debate. The reason why is but. Is okay? But. Is but. Oh, the but. The but. <laughs> the but. Yes, right. All right? Because yeah. you listen to what he's saying, good because point. you're going to watch him switch again. Okay? So as you watch, just, we were watching the whole thing. I would, and again, I'm right, getting, yeah, yeah. I would start out like I start out, listen to Mio in silence with that very heavy God authority voice. Right. He then judges the nations, basically laughs at the whole fact of verse 7. Then he turns and looks up the audience, or wherever, you know, looks at us, and you just listen to this, it's, listen to the language. You're my friend. I've chosen you. You're my servant. Don't fear. Don't don't be dismayed. I strengthen you. You are my God. And I'm going to hit some other things where I'm not going to say it yet. Fear not. I'm the one that helps you. He continues on all the way until, if you look, in verse 21, he switches back. And he switches back, addressing now back to the nations. Yeah. And he says, and then he turns to them and basically sort of laughs at the fact that the fact that he's the one that's in charge of everything. All right, so you sort of have this switch. And so I would definitely argue, now we've seen in other places in Isaiah where he brings that voice of judgment against his people. 
here, I would say that's not what he's doing yet. What he's doing here is he's saying, you are my people who went to exile, and these are these nations, and I'm talking to the nations and bringing my case against them, but he's still reaching out to his people saying, you're my people. Don't fear. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to bring you back. Okay, now, as we continue on Isaiah, you're going to see him getting not happy with his people. <laughs> as, as I, so. I thought what you thought the first few times yeah. I read 41. But as I reread it again, uh-huh. after, and going through that. Well, you're going through that context, okay, then context, because that's a different context than what this is right here. Context. No, yeah. it isn't. It, it, I, yeah. I, I don't believe it is. In terms of his addressing his people and going back to that same denial of the relationship from that point. You we, mean who's denial? You mean that denial? Jacob's denial. Oh, yeah. Wait, you, you asked for a blessing and now you're asking by my name? You, it, this is where he refers back to, you haven't known me from the beginning. Okay? And so he's saying, that whole time, all of Jacob's hey, I'm with you, I'll take care of it, don't worry about it. I'm with you, I'm God, I'm God, you're part of the covenant, don't worry. Yet, what did Jacob continue to do? Blow up, blow up, blow up, make his own decisions based on fear. Here we are again. So as he culminates, there's just this building wave that sets, like a three-wave set that's coming into this next session here, where he, he refers to the men of Israel, that he says... Because of a word. Well, yeah, and just so you know, the context of that is actually not negative. It sounds negative to us, but the actual term in Hebrew there is not negative. It sounds negative, but I looked up that term, mm-hmm. and worm there is not a derogatory term. It's, it's, we think it is when we read it, but in Hebrew it's not a derogatory term. And it's within the context, again, I guess, it's still like he's reaching out to his people again. Listen to the language of what he's trying to say to them. Uh, you're, you're my people. You're my servant. Anyway. Certainly. Could, but why are you so thick-headed and stupid? I've said this over and over again. And he's, I have to prove to you. And he says, I, me, am, like right. 50 times in this chapter, defining himself. Right. And look again where that context is, as to whether he's talking to Israel or whether he's talking to the nations. Um Anyway, hey, okay, go ahead. yeah, that, that's that's cool. So, and again, I'm not going to. I'm just we're going to so, look at that differently. I'm, and I'll, as we go through here, just let's take a look at the language. I won't look more specifically at eight through ten to see, and even all the way to thirteen to see what is he trying to say to his people here. Okay, and the terms he's using. Yeah, yeah, I think the operative word is my servant. If it is, yeah. Because he's definitely setting a priority here of who's in charge and their relationship to him. Right. Oh. And and notice and notice that he's differentiating them from the nations. Yeah. Because he's saying, right. My servant and listen to that language, my. You're mine. So whether whatever voice he's laying here, he's he's differentiating his people from the rest. Right? He's saying, you're mine. You are what? You are my servant. I have chosen you. I mean, um, you are my, this is huge, you are my friend. <laughs> you're, you're the offspring of my friend. Right. Right. As, as them being the servant, it connotes a responsibility to take care of 
right. the surface. Right. And in some ways, even if I was to take, if I was to go with Jason for a minute and have a little bit of an angry tone here, it would be in a sense of almost probably a fatherly tone. I totally. Oh, yeah. A like father a, a a addressing his children, yeah, like, saying, you're my children, get your act together. Exactly. Which is why I think you're speaking. Let me make a few points to you guys. Yes. Yeah. more yeah. sense of frustration than anger is for the thousandth time setting them apart from the rest of the Right, and I think yeah. he's using humor. I think he's like being oh, like ironic. I don't I love that. Really, you got like yeah, yeah. totally. Um, okay, yeah. so was the yeah was it in a connotation of um, you know you're just I got to protect you? Was that the it's a weird that? Hebrew word? I can go back and look, okay. but I looked at that because I did too. I'm like reading along, and when I hit the Fear not, you worm, Jacob. I, I, I mean, I to- take that totally derogatory. Like, that's a negative term. But actually, all the commentators have looked into what the Hebrew word means for worm here is not a derogatory term. And you sort of see as he moves on here, fear not. Again, you've got that call that he's been making. Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. And he's addressing them. So there's a parallel in Hebrew. When you see something like this, see how it says, Fear not, you worm, Jacob. And you see this even in the first passage we're looking at here. Israel and Jacob are parallel with each other. Okay? So, mm-hmm. the word worm here is actually a similar connotation to the word when he uses the men of Israel. He's really referring to his people. Um, it just as a, to us, it does not sound like a positive term. <laughs> That's Pretty much. I probably didn't answer your was question. It, well, was it kind of the connotation of you, you could easily be crushed and I'm here to protect you? That's what it's more, said, yeah, it's yeah. more the question, you're my people. It's another word way of saying, he's saying, men of Israel, you're my people, fear not. I'm the one that helps you. It's like, you're my, you're mine. However you want to say this it. Is, <laughs> this is, I mean, this says, like, worms are small, worms are lowly. That is the most obvious connection drawn to Isaiah 41, 14, between Israel and the worm. In and of um, in and of themselves, the children of Israel had no power or glory. They would yes. be they would be trampled by other nations easily as people would trample a worm. Yeah, yeah. But God promises deliverance to His people, protection right. for their enemies. So it's not so much that they're not good, or it's a derogatory term. It's more of a sense of I'm the one that I'm 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 your God. Yeah. <laughs> Take care of you. Yeah, but, but it, it, it's. It's derogatory in terms of their arrogance. If they respond arrogantly, absolutely. Right. He's Which assuming is... they are arrogant to begin with. He has to remind them. Yeah. You're a worm. <clears throat> You're nothing without me, right? It's yeah. all orchestrated to to show his authority. Right. The worms live in I think authority, but I guess here I still get, I get also get, well, how about, you know, I get the sense of a father. I get more of a father parental figure here saying, you're my kids, but, but you better be doing what I tell you to do because I'm here to protect you, but you're getting, you're saying, you're getting out of hand. Hey. No, I definitely, I didn't, I wasn't meaning anything other than a father. I mean, absolutely intimacy and just, just calling them other. Just building this case right. to the point of, yeah, having to break them down. Yeah. 
Well, were you going to say something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, question. Let's go back to um, eight. Um, so now, people have you know wondered why is it that all of a sudden he call, calls? Um, I'm not going to go against my case with <laughs> this case, <laughs> but. People like, why is he saying, he doesn't do this a whole lot, okay, but why is God here addressing Israel as Israel and then saying Jacob? Okay, why is he, and he does this a few times, you saw that in 14.2. He's referring to Israel, both as Israel, but also Jacob. I let it look now, out because I could just, yes? yeah, no, I, I did, couldn't figure it out. So, don't... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, go ahead. Hey, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So, and I don't want you to answer either <laughs> that question. They, they just they just did the story in uh, for the kids in Genesis 32. Um, just 32, right? 32, 32. Yeah. So, yeah. So, what? Why do you why why do you think they would put these two terms? Why is God putting these two terms together? Israel, Jacob. What? What? What are these two terms? And again, you two cannot answer. North south. It's what? It's even like in forty too. Like it's what? North south. North south, but regional. But Israel is all of it. Okay. Jerusalem's in Jacob. Okay. Go back to Genesis. Yeah. Who's Jacob? Go back to the lineage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's Jacob? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay. Who's Israel? Israel. Who's Abraham? Do we Abraham's know what kids? What does Israel yeah. mean? Oh, the people of the people of God. God's Jacob people. is Israel. Well, isn't okay, <laughs> there we go. Uh, oh, yeah, Jacob. 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 God. Jacob is. is yeah. Here we just said. Jacob is Israel. Right. Yes. So tell me. And he dislocated his hip during that dream. Excellent. Okay. What happens when he? What what happens in that dream? He sees a, like an escalator or a ladder going up to heaven. Yep. And yep. that's all I remember. I don't remember okay. before. But God said, "You are going to be the father of my." I, I, I forget now. Okay, no, that's okay. Yeah. okay. That, all right. That was actually another dream. Okay, Chad, go for it. Yeah, I mean, so he's wrestling. It just says like the man. So who's wrestling? Jacob is. Okay. And so he's wrestling. It says the man. So what's the scene that happens where this... Where this, this yeah, so, so this is as Jacob was coming back to Isaac's land, his father's land. Mm-hmm. And Esau's there and Esau's mad at him because Jacob is stealing the blessing, stolen the blessing. Everyone remember that story? Okay. So Jacob, so, yeah. Jacob's stolen the blessing. He goes to the land of Laban and he marries... Lee and Rachel, he starts his family. He has, um, he's big, yeah, basically has a family and herds and servants and everything at this point. Mm-hmm. And things aren't going well with Laban, so he's going back to, God tells him to go back to his father's land, Isaac's land, and that's where Esau is. And the only thing that was like preventing Esau from killing him in the past is like Isaac was around, the dad's around. Right. So he right. wants them to kill each other. So he's going back into this father's land. He's going back where Esau is. And this is like the night before 
he actually like goes to the land. So he's like right outside that land. Mm-hmm. And so it's like kind of the culmination of things because he's like trusting God to go to this place that God's told him to go to that like seems really dangerous. Right. And there's like a good reason for that. Because because Esau is there, right? Because Esau is there and thinks who he took the blessing away from. Right. Right. And so he's mm-hmm. like he has put himself in this bad situation. Right. And like he's kind of reaping what he sowed of like, yeah, you, you stole a blessing and it's it's likely that your brother would want to kill you from that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's the night before that, and it's kind of the culmination where it says this man comes down to wrestle with him, and they wrestle, like, the man initially can't defeat him. Mm-hmm. And then the man just touches his hip, and his hip is now injured. And, like, and why did the man touch his hip? Because well, they were wrestling, so why is the man so, touch So they're wrestling, like, the man's not successful against Jacob. It says, like, I forgot the exact word he used, but it's, it says the man cannot, did not win against Jacob. Right? He's not winning the fight. They're right. just, they're wrestling. And so, like, God's basically, like, going to his level and letting him engage in this fight on his, on his level. Mm-hmm. And then he touches the hip, and the hip immediately becomes, he's unable to, so he injures the hip right, right. right, right away. Right. Um, and then that's when... And what does Jacob do at that point? So, at that point, the man... Tells him like, okay, like, let me go now. Like, I I, I want to go. Right. His wrestling with, and then Jacob says, well, first you need like, I I want your blessing. Yeah, you guys hear that? So Jacob says, I want your blessing. Okay. And so he gives Jacob um, the blessing, but it's like reluctantly. It's like it's kind of like, well, we've been here all night. Like, you know, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give you the blessing. Uh huh. What does he ask Jacob? Well, yeah. Before he gives him his blessing, what does he say? He asks him his name. Well, Jacob asked God. No, the man, yeah, the man, the man okay. asked Jacob his name. Yeah. That's right. That's when he gives him the name. Okay, good. Yeah. So the man, asks, the man asks Jacob his name. He says it's Jacob. And then... And he says to Jacob, your name is no longer Jacob, it's going to be Israel. Israel, right. And, and Israel means, there's two interpretations, to wrestle with or to strive with God. Okay. You have persevered with battling, wrestling with men, and now with God. Right. Okay, so he right. declares who he is. This is the Yes, yeah, so who is Jacob before the wrestling match? Jacob means... Conniver, deceiver, ankle grabber, or something. Grabber. Yeah. <laughs> ankle grabber. Yeah. It, his name defines who he's been, which is he has been a deceiver. He stole the blessing away from Esau, right? And he's now wrestling with God, and God is going to give him a new name, which is Israel, which is the, the nation of Israel. So you have these two names side by side. The old and the new, right? the deceiver, and what God has done now, Israel. So why would, and we don't know for sure, why does God here now pair these both together? Mm-hmm. Okay, it probably goes a little bit along the lines of what Jason's saying, because when you see that tension, it's like you've got that tension going on. This is who you were before, and this is who you are now. You were a deceiver, you now are Israel. Don't forget. <laughs> 
I'm the one that's, that did this. It's almost like, the, almost like a father, you know, saying, you did this, but now this is not who you are anymore, but this. But don't ever forget, you once did this, but now this is who you are. Well, yeah. Going back to Chad's, the backstory that Chad was telling, God lets him be deceived by Laban. Right? Mm. Yeah. So that's interesting. Well, I think the like the whole thing. It's like a very like it, like the story parallels itself again because like Jacob's wrestling with God, and like when he wrestles with God, and, and then God like essentially defeats him like with the touch of a hand. Like God still blesses him after that, and then Jacob's response to that too, like um, because now he's walking with the limp, is he names the place where it happened, yeah, like Penuel, like, which basically means like. Like walking with a limb, and like it's it's like to commemorate that. It means the face of God. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So like, I mean, that's where I met God face to face because Jacob actually says, "Israel now so, says I met God face to face." Right. So like the parallel there is is like it could be like when talking in Isaiah, like using Jacob and Israel, this idea like of God changing them, but like. Also, like right now, like Israel's like wrestling with God because they're not being like obedient and just submitting to Him, right? right. They're, they're they're doing things He's telling them not to do. Yeah, which goes along to what you were saying. Yeah. So reluctant J- convert. Jacob, <laughs> yeah. first the, 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 that little chunk right there. Yeah. That little wrestles with God, and what J- what Jacob did with Esau has caused death and pain still to this day, yeah. all the way through. Yeah. Right? It's, it's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and then and that little thing, the way it's told, the fact that God is referred to as a man mm-hmm. and then reveals himself as God. Mm-hmm. And Jacob asks for a blessing. Yeah. Which, and he knows. He, Jacob knows he's God. He knows he's God. Right. But then has the audacity to ask his name. No, I don't get that. Well, that sets the tone for everything else in the Bible. And that's the Jacob Israel. Yeah. You haven't stepped all the way into Israel into yet. who you are. Right? You are still holding on to the old you. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Good point. Good point. I never knew that's why the, the, it, this is just a funny thing. Israelites did not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. It's so crazy. Yeah, and so you and you see, I mean, we were John Chad and I were talking about this, but I mean, this is this this story is a good example of the proper use of what I would call tradition. It's uh, setting up something where you're remembering what God has done. I mean, why are we celebrating Advent? Okay, why do we do that here at this church? Okay, it's not it's it's ultimately because Advent is celebrating what God is going to do through the birth of Christ. Okay. And actually, Advent used to be on the other side of Christmas, but that's a whole other story. But it's, but they, liturgical, you know, you look at sometimes the the, the liturgy and people can say, oh, liturgy is not good. Well, liturgy can be very, very good. And having a calendar year and doing all this, it's just exactly what is happening in the Genesis story is I'm remembering what God has done. That's, it's always good to have things in our lives where we set up and remember what God has done. This, that's what Jacob did here. He set up this place, okay, and then they have this whole tradition that Israelites do, which they can't eat the, what? 
hip tendons. Tendon, hip tendons. Why? It's a way of just, again, constantly remembering, this is who God is. This is what he said. What's funny is, why would you want to eat hip tendon? I do. That would be the, the most grisly <laughs> part of any animal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good. So, so here, going back again, because so much in just verse 8 here. But you, Israel, my servant, so God called, just in this story we just talked about, um, is God, God not only is saying to Israel, as he's going from Jacob to Israel, you're my servant, in essence, but he's the one that did it. God's the one that chose Jacob for this. God's the one that chose him to be now Israel, who's now going to be representing this whole nation. All right. But then if you notice what happens next, is that next verse goes back <laughs> even further. All right? Because it says the offspring of who? Abraham. Abraham. My friend. Mm. So again, listen to the language of God is calling, going back to Abraham, all right, and saying, you, Israel, and everything. Now, you remember, you, not just you in this story here, but you come all the way back to something I do with Abraham. It goes all the way back to Abraham, okay? And what what is the thing that God did with Abraham? Made the covenant. He made the covenant. What was the covenant? Your offspring would be like the stars in the sky, the sand in the sea, all that. Yeah. And what is your offspring going to do? They're going to be. They right, will be. And again, this is what, what Paul argues: offspring, not offspring. Yeah. Right. Will be well, effectively the, well, the savior of. Right. All the world. Right. But what's the promise made to Abraham? Did, you have all these stars your, like your that. descendants will inhabit the earth. Your descendants are having the earth. And what? It, and what? Right. But what is it that these descendants are going to do? What is their role? What's going to happen through them? Supposed to happen. This is tension again. Mm-hmm. What is supposed to happen? Why did God choose Israel? Why did God take Jacob and call his name Israel? What is Israel supposed to do? They came. They went all the way back to Abraham. They reveal God to the world as a chosen people, and in that is the promised Messiah. Okay. What's the language? What is the actual language of what God told Abraham? Anybody remember? Servant? No. Why don't you guys turn? Genesis. Genesis twelve three. Genesis twelve. Because this is some. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty key to what God's doing here. Oh, yeah. That's where it all goes back, right? I just like sort of where it all happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so you notice uh, Genesis 12. So it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, and notice here, here you see that name change again. Here, he's just Abram. He's going to become Abraham, all right, after God does some things. But now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred. And again, this is pretty far away when this all happens. And you can just imagine, I mean, you can imagine Abraham, his, you know, it's like, why? It's like, uh, God just told us to go from (laughs) here 500 miles south to here in the middle of nowhere. And the wife's like, "Uh, what, honey? Are you sure you (laughs) Right. So, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house 
to the land I will show you. Doesn't even tell you where, it's, where he's going. Just says, I'm going to show you. Get on the road. Start going. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. Okay? Why? So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And all the, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is like the core promise of scripture, which is through Abraham, he chose one man to become a nation for a purpose, to bless the world. So if his wife said, I don't want to leave all my friends, <laughs> could have screwed up the whole thing. Could have. And one man, that's what's so beautiful about scripture, it's like just what happened with Jacob and to become this one man. Okay, changed the whole world because he obeyed what God told him to do. All right. And so if you look here, notice it says the offspring of Abraham. So Jacob, Israel, is the offspring of that, right? They are that nation. Yep. Right? Everyone follow with that? Yeah. Who is the offspring? Of Abraham today, we are. As, as long as we, we receive are. through Jesus Christ, right. And where did we learn that? Paul told us that. And where did Paul tell us that? Galatians. Galatians. <laughs> okay, so I want you guys to turn there. It's just good to good to hear this again. So, New Testament, long time ago, you guys. I love Galatians. So go to Galatians. So anybody know where in Galatians? I'll tell you so we don't spend a lot of time. Looking. <laughs> Galatians 3. Alright. And I'm going to read from just verse 1 because again, it just I, I can never hear these verses too much. Oh, yeah. yeah, you can never hear the, these too much. And there we go again. Oh, foolish Galatians. All right, here's God's people again. All right. Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. And I love Paul's rhetorical questions here. Some of the greatest, greatest questions ever, I think, in Scripture. Let me ask you only this. You can just picture him looking out his little... Home church, okay, in Galatia. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? Ta-da. Or by hearing with faith? And all of you people would say? Hearing, hearing by, faith. by faith. Are you so foolish? Don't answer that question. <laughs> Having begun by the Spirit, so you've received the Spirit... By faith, and now having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And your answer is <laughs> a lot of silence there. <laughs> We're reading. Isn't that what we try to do? I mean, that 
I think about like our statement, you know, becoming like Christ for the sake of others. You think about this whole thing we talked about when I said, what is this word for? And I heard it's that it's, you know, really to help us live and become like Christ. Okay. And to live that way. And you think, how do we do that? And we always forget this question. I do. Because what do we do? And I hear this all the time. We try to do it ourselves. <laughs> we try over and over. We think, like, God saved me. He put the Spirit inside of me. Now guess what? I'm just going to continue to live as if that Spirit was not inside of me. I struggle with that all the time. I would say in pastoral counseling, probably the mm-hmm. number one issue are people who are still trying to live without the Spirit on their own. I mean, and they're like, I'm, I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to do that, I'm trying to be a better person, yeah, 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 yeah. you know? And it's like, you can do that all day. That's who you were so before said, Christ. Right? Now you have the Spirit in you. It, The Spirit is the one who perfects us. Don't ever forget that. It's not us. <laughs> it's our submission to the Spirit that perfects us. It says, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Mm. And then he references this whole thing about who we are today in Christ with the Spirit. He then, it's just great Paul. You listen to Paul, all of a sudden he goes, Aha! You know what this is for? (laughs) So you remember that just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he says in verse 7, Know then that it is those of faith. Who are we? Children of Abraham. That's right. And we, we are, are we those of faith? Mm-hmm. Yes. If we declare that we are those of faith. Yes. We are the sons of Abraham. We are, verse 8 in Isaiah, (laughs) we are the offspring. And listen to what it says next. And I don't think, to be honest, when we went through the Galatians, I didn't see this. I wish I did. Because I don't think we actually talked about specifically. Listen to what what Paul says in verse 8. And I want you to think, as you listen to this, remember what I asked you. What is this for? Okay? And I want you to listen to listen to what it says. It says, Paul says, You're sons of Abraham through faith now. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, that's us, by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Listen to what hap- what what is the role of this? Well, it's history. It's also future. Okay. It's, it's look, per- at, look at verse 8. It's prophetic. He's saying that this has been foretold through the scripture. Yeah. Listen, to what, what is the scripture doing here in verse 8? I want you to think about what is the role of scripture. What is scripture? Because listen to how Paul uses the word. And the scripture 
is what foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. The word of God becomes the means by which the gospel was preached by God back to what we read in Genesis 12. Okay? And that same gospel preached back then, okay, is also the same gospel that today we read, and we are that, and it is what brought us to faith, right? It's what brings mm-hmm. us to faith, is what keeps us in faith, is what you know, empowers us to live that way. But it's a scripture. It doesn't say God here. Of course it's God, ultimately. But it's a scripture that actually changes and is a gospel that's preached to changes what happens in history. So it's the very word of God that you guys are talking about. What this contains, so I guess what I'm saying, we talk about this like this contains the history of what God has done. The way Paul words it is, this creates the history. <laughs> this has formed the history. This is God at work. Does that do, yeah, do you, totally. catch, you catch a little difference there? It's Scripture who's a subject that foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by pray, by faith and preach. It's the Scripture that preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Right. You just see this way that God has taken this, and you talk about living and active. It's like the Scripture is what actually has. Then the gospel that gets preached back then that becomes the scripture that was preached to the people that become, you just see the, the power the, of the word of God. The, the living and active power of the word of God. Yeah. yeah. But, but, can, you, can you say that faith requires submission and submission leads to obedience? Hmm. Well, could I say if, that? Yeah, because faith is the word pistis. Dying to self. It's the process. Well, you're like this, because faith is a word pistis. And actually, mostly the translation better than faith and belief a lot of times is allegiance. 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 Okay. You have placed, think about how different that is. I have faith in God. I have faith in Christ. Oh, that's not. But am I allegiant to, like I said about the commander? Am I allegiant? Have I placed my allegiance in Christ? Am I his servant and slave? Yeah. But the basic struggle is our own pride. Oh, yeah. And so, unless you get the pecking order correct and, and are obedient, there's no freedom without being obedient. Which is kind of an oxymoron. Yeah, isn't that fantastic? <laughs> yeah, I know. You have to submit and yes. deny your to get, own to get free will. To, to get have free the free will, will to be obedient. <laughs> yes. That's right. You have a yeah, The only reason we have free will is to let it go. Uh huh. But that's real obedience. Yes. Okay. Obedience of faith is what Paul calls that. The obedience of yeah, faith. Yeah, that's what it's for. Yeah. They yeah. were doing it freely. Because in the future, it's going to happen anyway. <laughs> so you better start now. Every tongue will confess and make right. allegiance. Yeah. Right. So as we, as you read this here about the scripture and about we now by faith, 
it's like you just think of this intertwining of God in history that has worked in history and continues to work mm-hmm. today in us through his word that continues to change it. But so as we read this, that's why you can all read this today. And I would invite you to say, as you read this today, this is God speaking to you literally. Literally. This word is living and active today. You today are the offspring of Abraham. You today, God calls my friend. Mm -hmm. You today, God says, you are my servant. I have chosen you. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. This is God speaking to each one of you guys today, to me. This is what's so beautiful about Scripture, is no other book does that, because this is truly living and active, creating history as we all are living it out. This is to us today. So how is an idol going to push back against this? <laughs> we we know what an this, idol does. This is what he's getting yeah. into. God, he, 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 he goes, <laughs> like he says. <laughs> you couldn't create that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... It even just makes us making idols even so much more ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Were you going to read the specifics in uh, 3 regarding offspring? In Genesis 3? No, no, yeah, no, I know. It keeps going. Galatians. Back. Oh, in Galatians 3. We don't have to keep going through that. I know. It goes on to the specifics. We did that when we were in Galatians. Right. Um, we could be for that. Which is really good because it continues on. It even talks about how. Right. Paul just goes in more details in Galatians 3. It just, it just references specifically. The, we spent a month on that. I know. We did. <laughs> I just want to be here for another 10 hours. Exactly. Now, that is one of the God calls us here what? What does he call us? And he says, we are the offspring of Abraham, my friend. friend. <clears throat> Do you guys know where else God calls us his friend? Anybody think about that for a moment? Where else does God call us his friend? My friend, in essence. Do we know? Or as Jesus calls his friend. Not to just tell us. John 15. Ah. Okay. Mm. So Jesus, here God that, calls us my is that friend. Is during the Last Supper? Uh, well, it's in, the, it's in the upper room. Yeah, so in John 15... Let's see what... Oh, John 15... In fact, I'll just read it. John 15, 14. So I love talking I love when you do all stuff. We're like wrestling with this going. And you guys are like, ah. Um, John 15, 14. Listen to what Jesus says. I'll pick up at verse 12. It goes back to obedience again. Mm-hmm. Right? <clears throat> This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You, Jesus now says, listen, Jesus says, you are my friends. If you do what I do. If 
you do what I command. If you are obedient, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. It's interesting. Here he says, I'm not just calling you servants regularly. Now you are my friend. What doesn't it say about friends? Jesus calls and God calls us, says we are his friend. What does he not say? (laughs) He calls us his friend, right? What do we often say, do we hear people say about how they address Jesus? Jesus is... He doesn't say he's our friend. Right. Nowhere in scripture does it say that we are to call Jesus our friend. We are to call him our Lord, our Savior, our High Priest. But you hear that a lot, this, oh, Jesus is my friend. Okay, you're not allegiant to a friend. (laughs) You don't put faith in a friend. You don't obey, I mean, your obedience is not to a friend. So you never hear in scripture, the very good corrective, never hear in scripture that we are to call God or Jesus our friend. He calls us that. But he is always our Lord. Yeah. Isn't it about him creating a special relationship with us? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And that's why we can really grasp that. Like, wow. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he cares for us. That's how much he, how he looks at us. But that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that's how we are to treat right. him. There's, there's a distinction in our relationship, yeah. you know. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got through verse 8. We're doing good, guys. <laughs> <laughs> good discussion. Um, I have to disappear. I'll see you guys. Okay. All right. All right. See you. See you. See you. Uh, let me just finish off. So 9 through 10. So I think what's interesting is, is, is he, as he does this, and he calls us his the offspring of Abraham. He says we're his friend. Then he says, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corner, saying to you, you are, again, listen to that personal, you are my servant. I have chosen you. Again, you just hear this idea of God just saying, don't forget. It's like saying to Jacob, don't forget that wrestling match I had with you. You you are now Israel. I have chosen you and I have not cast you off. He's trying to encourage his people when you feel down, when you feel like we're in exile, when you feel like, where is God? He's saying, I'm not cast you off. I'm here. Don't fear. JC, you're going to say something? I'm just looking at my notes. It's funny. We just were in Galatians 3. Um, I, I wasn't correlating this when I was wrote this, but that, but like what Paul's referring to, the, the scripture speaking to this, that's what this struck me, nine, you whom I took from the ends of the earth. Yeah. He hadn't taken the Jews from the ends of the earth at this point. Right? You whom I took well, from the ends of the earth. Yeah, and yeah, he's my, referring yeah. to the offspring of Abraham here. My friend, <clears throat> you whom I took to the ends of the earth, 
I wrote down here prophetic future prophetic now. Future, yeah. Which could be the Gentiles. Exactly. Also. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so the says, fear not, for I am with you. I mean, that is the essence of our faith. Yeah. That God is with us. That's the whole, everything from Genesis 1, 1 to Revelation 22. The entire arc of the story of God is about, you could say one thing, four letters, with us. Okay, six letters. God is with us. His desire is to be with us. That's why he's given us, I'd say, that's why he's been given us the word and his spirit, because he wants to be with us. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's Job, the whole story of Job. His friends rejected him. God took everything away. But in the end, what did Job get? Restoration. Yeah, but what he got more than restoration, he got to God. be with yeah. God. God Not showed up. From <laughs> and that's what he's saying here. God showed up. That's why Paul says in Galatians 3, don't forget, you have the presence of God being with us right here mm-hmm. inside of John. <laughs> inside of each one of you, mm-hmm. God is with us. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, the same pattern, you know, it's like Job's running away from yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. These people running away from that, and God just wants... Yeah. And then I'll just end, and then we can end. It says, and, and what's, here's what's interesting is, this is where an example where it's great to do, like, real, get study, 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 look, reading different commentaries of no Hebrew and stuff like that, because our translations have missed an important Hebrew word that is not even translated into English here. So you don't even see the word. Hmm. All right? And this is what it says. It says, if you look at the last part of verse 10, R says, I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Mm-hmm. All right? But there's a word missing two times. And that word is moreover in Hebrew. I mean, it's English, moreover. Moreover. So it reads... I will strengthen you. Moreover, I will help you. Moreover, I will uphold you. It's like this piling on. It's like not only more, more, <laughs> moreover, M-O-R-E-V-E-R, moreover. And in, in addition, on top of this, I'm, I'm not just going to strengthen you, but on top of that, I'm going to help you. And on top of that, I'm going to uphold you. Moreover, more. <laughs> it sounds like a weird, weird word, but that's that. That's my part. We don't see it there, but it, it gives this idea. The word in Hebrew gives this idea of piling on. Mm-hmm. It's not just I'm just going to strengthen you. I'm going to help and, you. And, it's and, like I'm going to do this and this and, all, and, and this. And it also has right. a as a as a timeline. Also speaks to, to a progression. Yeah, yeah. And that uh, the righteous right hand is a is a prophetic of Christ. Well, yeah, so, okay, I, I guess I'll do this right now. <laughs> I was, I was uh, speaking of the righteous right hand, uh, so I want you guys to visualize now, and we'll end with, okay, God, we're talking about our whole little court scene, right? Okay. So notice it says right here, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And we've talked a lot, but the righteous right hand of God means like power. Okay? Power of God. All right. God's right hand. J 
Jason, come here. Oh, boy. Be a legion to me for a second. Yeah. All right. Okay. So I want you to notice what it says. So God's... I'm going to play God even though he's taller than I, okay? So God's righteous right hand, right? Okay? All right, come over here. Now listen to what it says. I want you to now look, go down to verse... You see 11 and 12. Now look at verse 13. For I, the Lord... Your God, hold your right hand. Mm-hmm. God, I have my righteous right hand of power, and I'm going to now hold your right hand. Mm-hmm. So, so there what? is a friendship of God, uh-huh. a love of God. Here he is walking with us. And he is, his righteous right hand is the one of power, protecting us, strengthening us, doing more of, more ever. <laughs> I will help you. I will hold you. I'll do all that with my righteous right hand, but you know what I'm going to do? What does God do with his left hand? He's holding our right hand, which means what do we get to do with our right hand? Well, then you can, but you better do it through this. But if I let go, guess what I'm going to be doing is using that's my own right hand. That's right. Right? Yeah. See that? Wait, wait, say that again? Hold on. <laughs> It, he's, what he's saying is, yeah. uh, he's making the promise. I will hold you with my righteous right yeah. hand. Oh, okay. And when you submit to me, when you're allegiant with me, I will, I'll, I'll hold your right hand yeah. to keep you from using your own right hand. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. Which is a good. Right. That's a, good that's way a great point. Yeah. yeah. But as long as you have that in my hand, I'm the one that's going to be the powerful. That's you right. need to do that. All I have to it's do all is, through me. Yeah, man. Just I just, just hang in there. I'll just get the golf for the ride. Go, go. Yeah, I don't have to do it's anything except just yeah. be with you. And it's hard to build an idol one hand. It's, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. 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 You might be able to build a submission again. It's the beauty of God. And what happens with that submission is like, we have it's all the power one. and everything we need. Why do we need yeah. to fear? And you know, as long as he's like holding, that. as long as we're holding God's hand, we need our to power comes it. through God. That's right. That's right. He yeah. can do it all. It literally is a chain. And if we all hold, it's all. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Oh, that's right. Killer. That was good anyway. Anyway. So, we started with just asking that question. That thing. Now, how do we that answer that word of God? This is this is God's power mm-hmm. and strength and words of comfort and everything. I mean, it's like I go, why am I not reading it 24 hours a day? <laughs> you know, and I'm and it's like I just am reading the passages today. I mean, for a week now, I've been reading these just couple passages. Go, what a great, awesome God who loves us so much, comforts us, gives us a power. Not only do we not have excuse, but we have, like, such an abundance of everything we need. Yeah. Because he's chosen us to be his God. Right. And how do we know that and hear that? We just stay in this. Yeah. And we have the Spirit in us. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So share that this week. Maybe go up to someone and grab their hand. (laughs) Remind them, God's God. You know? So good. It is good. Yeah. All right. Father, we just thank you for this day. 
again, I just, uh, oh, I'm, I'm sort of speechless right now just hearing these words of conviction, of comfort, of love, of friendship, of obedience, of being your servant, of you saying that we can, be, we can call you our God, that we are your servant, and that you call us your friend. Lord, um, as we part from here, I just thank you again for just these men of God who come together to hear from you, Lord. As we're reminded by Paul again in Galatians, that spirit that's in us that rose Jesus from the dead, that power of God's right hand that we have through the spirit that lives in us, May we live in total dependence on you through your grace, your power, your mercy, your love. And Father, uh, bring us people this week. Help us be attentive to watch out for those around us. That we have opportunities to share what a great God you are. Give us those opportunities, Lord. Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.